stumbled across the honest pod with Carrie Garcia, where my hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing, hope, and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive. And now for this week's episode of the honest pod. everybody. Welcome back to the honest pod. Okay. Today I am, I'm so excited about today because I have just a dear one, a dear one that I've waited to share with you guys. One, because I wanted to be more prepared on how to share her. And two, (laughs) I felt like our whole little, little group here, our little world, our little honest pod world needed a little context and understanding around story and you and all the different things and facets of our body, mind, and spirit before I brought on the amazing Heather Stringer. So Heather, welcome to my podcast. Thanks for having (laughs) me. It's so good to be here. Yes. Okay. I'm going to read your bio, which I know you really love because we all love to hear, you know, ourselves being read about. So it says here that Heather Stringer, which is you, is an artist, a licensed mental health therapist, and ritual maker. And I can't wait to talk about that third portion, that ritual maker portion. It's just why I brought you on today. She studied painting in her undergrad at Columbia College in Chicago. Ooh, that's where I'm at. And then received her MACP at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology, which many of you guys have heard me talk about. That's the whole Allender Center that we've talked about so much. She's been a fellow at the Allender Center where she enjoys doing narrative-focused trauma therapy, which just so you guys know, she was my very first narrative focused trauma therapist <laughs> and did story work with me and rocked my entire world and changed my entire life. But mm. whatever. She lives <laughs> in New York City right now with her husband, Jay. And also Jay Stringer is amazing. I can't wait to have him on the podcast as well. I mean, this is just like couple goals. And they're two wildlings, Amos and Iona. It's Iona, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how I said that right. So Okay, Heather. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. That's your little bio. Hello. Hello. <laughs> okay. So I am so excited to have you on because I want to I want to talk about ritual and I want to talk about mm-hmm. what you do and why this is so important um, and all the things, how you stumbled into it and stuff. So before yeah. we kind of go into, let's preface what, what ritual making is mm-hmm. and what it isn't. Because when I think of ritual, right, I, well, when I first started sitting with you and you brought out your little sage and I was like, (laughs) is this, am I in a cult? Is this like, (laughs) is something devilly happening? And then realized like you were praying and you loved Jesus. And I was like, my world was starting to kind of open up and also come Mm -hmm. like face to face with some of the, the languaging that I've had or learned around this idea of ritual. And so what is ritual and what do you do and, and kind of, what is it not? If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great question. I'm glad I didn't bring out my Ouija board during that time. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, yeah, no, there's so many different connotations with ritual. Um, the, let's see, I, so 
I am not the most concise person. So let's just want to kind of meander around right. like how I see it and, and versus like how others see it. I think at the very basic, like it's an ancient rhythm within all of us. You see in creation, the rituals of seasons, right? There's a, the change, the shift of, of light, the changing of the leaves, the temperature, like all of creation is in a kind of ceremony, right? Mm-hmm. And And part of that ceremony orients us to where we are and where we've been as well as where we're headed. So it's, it's very much kind of a a past, present, future um, orientation. And Mm -hmm. I think when we don't have these different, um, different ceremonies or these different ways of marking time, marking experiences, we, you know, especially in this day and age with technology and social media, it's like, it's so easy just to kind of be thrown into the next part of life, you know, or Mm. to, to move around whatever just happened um, because we have a lot of distractions, we have a lot of ways of of disconnecting from our life. So rituals, you know, are these really intentional ways of marking and honoring like where where one is. Mm. Um, and I think we all like if one of the things I always bring people into um, is like their childhood, like the place that they would go to in, in their childhood, that was this really special set apart place. Mm. Right. So <clears throat> I think all of us, like I would go to the cornfields as a kid, where it's like I could be myself. There was like a rhythm that I was attuned to. I felt really connected to God. I felt very connected to my body. Mm. <clears throat> and I would go there. I, I would I would leave when things were like too much in my home. Mm. Um, or when I felt, you know, like I needed I just I needed connection of some kind. And I think we all all of us as as kids had, excuse me. <clears throat> had um yeah a sacred space that they would leave ordinary life to go and find themselves and maybe even find god and so that i think that's just it's built within us like this place of like we need these set apart moments spaces experiences that say yes to our lives and that and that we get to not just intellectually understand where we are but really embody like what is what is happening in my life so um I think, I think, you know, you were mentioning earlier before we were recording, just like how the church has been so divided with the body mm-hmm. and that the body has been something that's been kind of just on the back burner or something mm-hmm. that's more of a nuisance or mm-hmm. something that doesn't have a lot of wisdom and that our minds need to overcome. Or that's um, evil, honestly, it's always going to yeah, yeah bring us into evil things. Right, right. And I think like when we see more of like the pagan rituals, because I think right now, what we're seeing in culture is that there are, there's a lot of um, kind of a spirituality that is in more or less pagan, mm-hmm. but I think it's a lot of these, particularly women who have left the church because their bodies weren't really welcomed. Mm-hmm. And so they're finding the spirituality that is saying, you know, the rhythms of the moon, the rhythms of the seasons, the rhythms of your own body, like, like there's something about being a part of that and marking it that is really good. And so that's part of where I'm like with rituals, it's, it's so, it's so innate. Um, and yet it does, it, it unites our body, um, Mm -hmm. in a way that I think can be uncomfortable, um, or can be threatening. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I don't dismiss those rituals, you know, like the more pagan ones. Um, Mm -hmm. and not, not that those pagan ones are like bowing down to the devil. Mm -hmm. Um, but it seems like really, it's just that people are hungry to be embodied. Yeah. Um, and to be able to mark things in, in meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Explain so, to me what you mean by being embodied. What does that mean? 
Mm-hmm. Being embodied, I think, is being able to be a, a kind of aligned. I mean, I guess I think about the experience of like moments where your heart, body, soul are just alive. Like, I don't know, maybe it's a walk in nature. Like you said, mm-hmm. you took a walk mm-hmm. um, after a really like intense weekend. Mm-hmm. I think we know those experiences where everything's kind of working together. Mm. You know, you feel like, oh, hey, I feel the breeze hitting my skin. Mm-hmm. I also can feel that my heart is like open. Um, mm-hmm. My mind feels clear. There's just something about um, being just attuned to kind of all the facets of who we are um, mm-hmm. and that they're working together. I mean, that's that's kind of a, a very layman's way of describing. Yeah, no, um, I think it's I think it's really important because. I don't think that people really know what that means. And I think we're looking for it. Like yesterday in the middle of Chicago, you know, it's so cold right now. And yesterday, Mm -hmm. randomly, it was 75 degrees. And it was like the sun was out. And I, there's a little pond by our church and there's a bench. And I just went out there and I sat on the bench and I let the sun hit me. And I kind of had my hands up and it like in that moment, what you just described, right. everything felt a t- like alive and working uh-huh. together. And I felt rest in every part. I felt rest in my yeah. body. I felt rest in my mind. I felt rest in my spirit. I just was able to take the moment and, and breathe. I was like breathing really deeply. And I just mm-hmm. felt like, man, thank you for the sun, you know, thank you for this (laughs) moment. And I, I, cause I think when we think embodied like this, like, it's like gotta be, we gotta go to the yoga studio or we've got to go to, you know, the, do our story work. And like, we've got to do all these like big things. And what I hear you saying is embodiment is much, it's much less about going and doing all the big things, but it's allowing yourself to be present with your, with the earth and with, you know, God and with your, with yourself and just, you know, and that can happen on a walk or on a bench in the middle of the sun, but it's allowing exactly. there's peace to come. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we all have those mo- moments. I think that's why I bring people back to those childhood sacred spaces that mm-hmm. we found, whether it was like our grandmother's home or, you know, certain like your bedroom or for me, the cornfields, you know, um, like we, we know that those moments where it's like, okay, I feel so connected both. Mm. Yeah to the earth, to God, to myself. And with that, I can give expression in a way that's not self-conscious, that is just mm. kind of this overflow of what what I'm what I'm experiencing. Um, but I think because the body and the way that Western society has, you know, kind of subjugated it, it's like we don't, it's 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 uncomfortable to allow our bodies to give expression without feeling really self-conscious, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, I think, within rituals, like when someone is coming to me and saying, you know, I am trying to not just mark this significant birthday, but move through some of the trauma that I've that I've been healing from. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a sense that they need to let their bodies actually go through certain motions, create certain gestures that signify to themselves, like I have known this kind of pain. Mm-hmm. You know, and whether that's like marking their chest with ash, mm-hmm. or whether it's like digging into the earth, like being able to signify in a, in a really bodily way, like I have known this, but I think because there's just, there's, it's, it's a little bit more uncivilized and it's a little bit different and weird. Um, we don't, we don't give ourselves that kind of permission, but what I see when people are doing those actions with their body as they're sitting with their stories, 
it, it frees them in a way that mm. is just so beautiful and allows them to take risks then I think afterwards um, that, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's just, there's a beautiful freedom. I was thinking about <clears throat> one woman who was trying to, um, she had done a lot of work around her femininity and, and her whole life, she's just, you know, identified more with the masculine athlete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she said that after we did this ritual for her and, and with her um, dear friends, she felt much more able to face the world with her femininity. Mm. And had she had not, there is a sense of like being very kind of preoccupied with what is the world going to think of me when I put on lipstick or, you know, whatever she deemed as feminine. Um, and so I think that's part of the beauty of rituals is that it helps us get into our bodies to say, this is what I've known, to say, this is what I'm hoping for. And then it allows us to, to be bold um, mm. afterwards, to face the world um, in a way that is less self-conscious. Um, Why do you think that it feels so risky? Like, I, I just think in, it seems easier and more desired, I guess, on the front end to want to think my way to healing, mm-hmm. to want to use my mind and go, okay, how can I, f- how can I figure this out? How can I solve this? What do I, what more information do I need to know about my story or my trauma uh, or, you know, the sciences or whatever. But when we are asking someone to get into their body, it, it feels risky. Mm-hmm. It feels riskier. Mm-hmm. Do, would you have a sense of why, why that is? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, our bodies will tell us like even what you're saying our bodies are like these innocent bystanders to our Mm -hmm. stories and so they'll tell the truth even if our minds are trying to kind of twist the truth or or trying to make the truth look different um and so there is something about well we'll we'll have to enter into the powerlessness of what we've known Mm. um and there's a kind of vulnerability that our bodies are inviting us into to feel the pain to feel the chronic fatigue or to feel the the, the aches in your joints that, you know, are a byproduct of, of years of stress. You know, there, there's something about the, um, yeah, the powerlessness and maybe even the betrayal that we felt with our bodies. Mm. Um, and I think that's part of where I see even within the ritual practice where when people can enter into that powerlessness, but then also to have movement, to be able to make symbols with it, I feel like it, it allows them to not have to be overwhelmed mm. um, or they're able to actually move through it in a way that is so honoring um, where they can name that there's such a powerlessness. But then with that, they have this like this gesture that is um, supporting them and also acknowledging it amongst people who are witnessing. Mm. And maybe that's it more than I think it is the movement and the symbols. But then I think to have witnesses to say, we see you as mm. you express what it was like to be so powerless in your story or where you felt so vulnerable or taken advantage of, um, to have faces, to have bodies, to say, we see you. Um, I think it allows us to move through that overwhelm or that risk with a lot more kindness, um, and, and possibility. Wow. Yes. So good. What, uh, so good. Uh, it's it's kind of hard, I think, you know, and, and we're going to do our best, but to really encompass all that that ritual is and what it does for someone because because it's so embodied and we are on a podcast <laughs> that are talking about <laughs> something that's embodied 
I know some of the things that you do, and we'll get to this a little later, what you offer on even your social media. I've done a bunch of your the rituals that you do on social media and the, the offering that you give. But mm. what made you want to do this? What made you start down the path of like, you're a therapist. I know you enjoy doing story work. I know I've had mm -hmm. the benefit of you sitting in my story. Um, but what made you start moving into this ritual kind of ritual making? I mean, you literally yeah. give people boxes to do these different things and we can get into that in a minute, but what made yeah. you want to do this? Um, that's a great question. So one of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is by um, the mystic rabbi Baal Shem Tov. And he says, um, forgetfulness leads to exile while remembrance is the secret to redemption. Forgetfulness leads to exile. Remembrance is hmm. while, while remembrance is the secret to um, redemption. So when I think about my life, I look hmm. back and I begin to see all these different like seemingly siloed parts of my life. You know, I went to art school. I went to go learn about how to, I learned about painting. But while I was in art school, I took this class just randomly called performance art. And performance art is not the performing arts, but it's um, the non, a non-theatrical um, medium that deals with body, space, and time. So basically it's like, you think of a concept and your body becomes the canvas and you interact with the audience in a genuine real encounter. So mm. an example would be like, um, uh, let me think. Is that like what you did in New York when you were, went into Times Square and did your... Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, so after a lot of the, the school shootings, um, another round of all the school shootings, I just felt this sense of kind of powerlessness and like, what am I, what do I need to do? I need to give expression. My body is like holding all of this stress and all of this pain. And I remember reading a while back um, and I, I'll come back to your question. This yeah. is a long way of getting there, but um, I think it's important though. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a journalist that wrote like it was a, year, a few years ago after there was another kind of round of school shootings. And he said, this is basically just the wash, rinse, repeat cycle. Like mm. it's just what happens. We just, we wash it, we rinse it. And then we just, it happens again. Mm. And there's that image that I thought was really powerful of like washing, rinsing, washing, rinsing. And so I invited a few women, a few brave women. This is so awesome. One, one who is like, now she's my daughter's teacher and she, <laughs> she joined and I'm like, hello, Miss Wilson. Um, <laughs> you're here. This is amazing. Um, and we, I was like, you know, what better way to do this, like this, like movement of washing, rinsing, repeat, um, than in Times Square where it's like, it's all about spectacle. It's all mm -hmm. about dissociating from what's really happening in the world. Um, so we found this like stage and we got on and I had them bring like a red, red child piece of clothing. Um, and we had buckets and soap and we had white flags symbolizing surrender. And so for about an hour and a half, we just would wash this red piece of clothing, rinse it, and then we would raise our flag and whatever phrase that would come up for the women, they'd say like, no more, you know, mm. and then wash, rinse, no more mm. over and over again. Um, and that, that is, that is part of um, the medium that I just fell in love with in art school where it's like, it's, poignant it's honest it's a genuine thing it's about having this, these encounters with people you know like there was 
just like I could tell people would gather and they would feel the, the, the heartbreak. Um, mm-hmm. And they would also see that this is, this is asinine that like, we're still in this and nothing has changed. Right. You know, how many children have to be murdered right. in order. And so just, but to see that, like, this is what it is over and over again. Mm. And we could feel the, 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 the nauseousness of, of that repetition. And you couldn't leave it. Like you, you can't get out of your mind and just be like, okay, that I'm not going to look at that anymore. When, what you're inviting them into is an embodied experience to Mm -hmm. say like, you're either rationalizing or dissociating or fixating in your mind and your mind, Mm -hmm. when it's just like rolling around in your mind, it has nowhere to go. It's, it's like the gazelle, right. That is immobilized Mm -hmm. and wants to die, but then the predator goes away and it needs to shake, right. It needs to move its body to get the trauma to, to go through the body and complete its trauma cycle. And what it sounds like is you're offering to people in that moment of a way for them to get what's rolling around in their mind or trying to, you know, compartmentalize what's in their mind. Cause there's no way that you can escape, even if it's for a moment, the, the brutal horror of children Mm -hmm. being murdered in a school, like your, Mm -hmm. it has to go somewhere. It doesn't just, yeah, Yeah. it's not like, Oh, I'm going through McDonald's drive-through. Like it's, it is so traumatic and it's stuck in your body. And we don't, we've not been taught a way to allow it to, to complete the trauma cycle, to get through our bodies. And so -hmm. that is what you were offering to people Mm -hmm. in a way to allow them to basically, yeah, the predator's gone right now, but right. it's still stuck yeah. in your body. Yeah. And so I want to yeah. give you an opportunity to allow this, as horrific as it is, to to somehow process through your body. Yeah. Is am I getting yeah. that right? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I think that that's where performance art was this, I think. I didn't know this at the time, but it was like this intro into ritual making for me Mm. where I'm like, oh, this is something I respond to more so than painting. Like the canvas was a little too restrictive for me. Mm -hmm. And so here's this opportunity to like actually engage others, engage my body, engage a a concept in a really honest way. Um, And then, and then I ended up in grad school um, learning about therapy. And then that style of therapy was just so deeply personal. It's like, you have to know your story in order to be able to help others. Otherwise yeah. you're going to impose ideas. You're going to just prescribe, um, but you're not actually going to generate real change. Mm. And then I think there was this moment where even the therapy practice, while I love it and while I'll, I'll always do it, it became like a canvas for me too, where it's like, I feel a little restricted. Like I need, I need, there's something more that I need to be doing. And that's when someone reached out and saying, Hey, I heard that you might be a good person to like help me curate my birthday where it's like, it's different. I don't want to just talk about the changes happening within me. I don't want to journal about it. I don't want to throw a big party. I need something different. And that was the moment where it's like, Oh, this is both therapeutic, but also there needs to be like an artistry here. There needs to be a telling of the story, but not just telling of the story, like actually like living in it, like you know, like the Seder meal where in, in Judaism, where it's mm-hmm. like they eat the bitter herbs to remember slavery, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's this beautiful way of of remembering, but then also just continue to ask that question of like, where is the need for liberation as mm-hmm. they eat the bitter herbs? And so anyways, um, and that, that was the moment where afterwards I was like, that was such a holy experience of mm-hmm. seeing this woman bring her friends into her, her woundedness, but also like the, the hope that is like burgeoning within her. Um, and I, I just, I was like, 
what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> it was really beautiful. I want more of it. <laughs> <laughs> I want more. And that's, that's where I was like, finally, I think a few weeks later, I was like, I think that was a ritual. But I, mm. I say that, I mean, even for your listeners where it's like, when you're feeling like, what am I doing with my life? Or mm. how do I make meaning? I think there's something about the remembrance, right? Remembrance is a secret to redemption where it's like, you start to see all the different siloed things that you've been drawn to all your life. You know, you think about, I think about my, the cornfield. like, I knew that I needed to like find this open space to have these beautiful experiences with myself and with God. Um, but you begin to see all these different silos and then they begin to get woven together. And that was the moment where I'm like, Oh, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the greater picture here of ritual is, is about the therapy that I love, but also the art that I love. And mm. Um, and so that's my hope for people is that they begin to, to piece together all these different things that are seemingly unrelated that actually are trying to tell a more holistic story. Um, so that's how I got into it. That was a very long way. No, I I I think, I think it's good because I think the more that you can talk about it, because again, this concept, here's what I want to say. All (laughs) of you that are listening, that are believers do a ritual you do rituals all the time. You just don't right. call them rituals, but you do rituals all the time. And one of the most beautiful things that ties into what you're saying is in scripture where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. The word remember is actually the Greek word zakron, which means to take from what was and bring it into today. And that mm-hmm. will be part of your redemption. I mean, basically what he's saying is yeah. every time you take of the Eucharist, every time you drink mm-hmm. the blood and eat my body, which is, by the way, most people that were listening to that. We're like, you're crazy. I'm out of here. Like left. I mean, he didn't start with 12 disciples, guys. He started with many and most of them left because he was like, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you've got to drink my blood and eat my body. And it's like, uh, (laughs) Like, well, is that not devilish? That feels (laughs) a little crazy, right? Yeah. A little out there, Jesus. And and so Jesus invites us in because Mm. he knows that Mm -hmm. your salvation, you're not going to be saved in your brain. No, you're, you're going to be like, if, if salvation was, was the crux of our minds, then Jesus would not have died. He would not have, like, it would not have been through his body that we are restored. We would have, it would have been through probably through wrath, anger, and, uh, you know, basically him taking over. Cause that would have been where the mind would have wanted to go. Right. To, Mm -hmm. to, to destroy. Instead, he goes, mm-hmm. I'm going to sacrifice my body. So I say all of that because your your quote that you that you hold to and the the quote of Jesus himself was mm-hmm. you have to do this in remembrance of me because you're not going to remember, but your body there will be mm-hmm. some kind of bodily connection when you drink of this whether it's wine or grape juice or what it's the symbol yeah. of what it meant for someone's body to take mm-hmm. on the pain that you today are feeling. And so mm-hmm. uh, just to be very clear, if you start getting really like uppity about like, wow, well, I don't know what all this is. You live <laughs> in Christianity is a yeah. ritualistic uh, so. place of faith. And it's yeah. not to, and there, and the enemy twists everything. So all the things yeah. that are good, he takes what's true and he just twists mm-hmm. it enough to move you out of the, the need for Jesus and moves you into just total self-reliance. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's yeah. bad rituals yeah. out there. There's demonic rituals, but sure. there's beautiful sure. rituals. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, you look at even, um, is it Ezekiel? Is he the one that would, that, you know, as a way of trying to, to tell um, Israel, like, return to God, return to God. Mm-hmm. Like, he he put, I mean, the angel of the Lord, I think, asked him to, like, sit on dung mm-hmm. for so many days, you know, as a way of, like, symbolizing and, and even for him to undergo, like, this is what's happening. Like, you've turned your face and this is what, this is the effect of when you turn your face is, like, mm-hmm. living amongst your own poop. Yes. You know, and, and so there's something I think really important about like that, that was those rituals that help us really like know on a, on a really deep soulful level, like this is what I'm in mm-hmm. um, and I need to feel it because mm-hmm. I will find ways to move around it, to leave it, to um, manipulate it, to mm-hmm. overcome it in a way that's not necessarily healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Tell me a little bit about um, so, like, like for example, you did a ritual with us, you know, when I was in your group for a year and at the very end, that moment is so still so seared in my heart of Mm. what a painful moment that was to say goodbye. I can even feel myself like wanting to cry even in that moment Um, because we had gone through three in-person weekends together. And then our last weekend was, had to be on a screen because of COVID. And it was, so, I mean, I've never felt that kind of healing connection, beauty with God, the horror of the story, mm-hmm. but also the the healing that 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 was coming in ways that I'd I'd searched my whole life for. And I remember at the end, you did a small ritual with us, and yeah. you might not even remember because you do them all the time, but. Do you, you know, in that moment, I think you had us had like orange, like a like an orange. And then we had like oil. I think we had ash or something. I remember your face was covered in dirt. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just like, and, and it was like, what, I can't remember what you asked us about the ash, but I do Mm. remember what you, that you wanted us to taste the sweetness of what had come. And so we bit into the orange. That, Mm. that's the thing I remember the most about that. Mm. And I was so upset that we were on the screen and I felt so robbed of Mm -hmm. my last time with you and my group. And like, I was just so, I was so grieving saying goodbye, Mm -hmm. could barely close the screen. And when you had us like take a bite of that orange and you had us close our eyes and just taste the sweetness of what we had experienced, like the grief wanted to overtake me, to be honest with you, because that whole thing, it was a lot for me. But yeah, in yeah. that moment of taking in that orange and tasting the orange and closing my eyes, it allowed my body in a way to feel mm. the sweetness of what we did experience. And yeah, and it just, it calmed me, even though it was mm. still hard, it calmed me. And so I'm curious about for you, like, what are mm. some of like, is there a f- one or two that you could share like that you remember of like something that you go, man, we did this and this is what I saw. And, you know, just maybe take us into even just one, like a ritual that mm-hmm. you have done with someone over something that, and, and give us the elements of it and the whys behind it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That it's so, it's really, it's so interesting to hear how like the orange, like tasting the orange and just even like what sweetness does to our brain, it actually allows us to um, embed the memory more significantly. 
Mm. Um, which is a really interesting, it's like a, it's a fascinating thing that like somehow that weren't the taste of it allowed you to not only be calm, but probably it, it like you said, the word seared, like it seared mm-hmm. itself into your, into your memory. And yeah, so I'll never forget it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, there's some connection with, with sweetness and memory. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's different, I mean, it depends on the person's story. So like sure. whether it, um, you know, a woman who had a lot of birth trauma, with her first and was pregnant with her second and just did not want to look at going through labor and delivery again, you know? And I asked her, I was like, well, it's coming. Like, what are you going to do? Um, (laughs) um, and, and so one of the things that we did, it was, you know, water was really significant for, to, for her, but before we got into the water with her community, um, we did a few different things, but one of them that felt significant was like, she had, I had a bunch of knots and she just began to undo the knots while speaking different fears, different anxieties that Mm. were coming up for her around giving birth. Um, and so it was just like fear after fear, untying the knot, you know, and sometimes she struggled with the knot and sometimes the knot came really easily. And, um, and part of that just opened her up to realizing what she really needed for her for this upcoming birth. Mm. And that was one, there was someone that was going to be attending. She knew after un, like unloosening all the fear and anxiety that she, she did not, she having that person at her birth was not going to be well. Mm. And so she asked that person to not attend, um, you know, or just even being able to recall like her, her first birth through untying those knots kind of loosened the hold that it had on her. Um, And then afterwards we went into a pool and just had her body float in the water Mm. while we sang over her, you know, like we, we are, we are in need of, of witnesses um, of people coming around us to say like, we are with you. Um, We will sing over you. We will, we will bless you. We will call out who you are. Um, And, and so there's, there's that one or, Mm. Um, you know, there was a woman who it was a name change ritual. So she was in a, a, a really abusive marriage for a very long time. Mm. Um, and so when she left her, her husband, she knew that going to her maiden name wasn't, there was a lot of abuse in that name too. And so she's like, I need to find a new name that like, I'm, I'm opening myself up to hear from God. Like, what is this new name? And it happened to be stone. Um, and so at one point in the ritual, she laid on the ground and, and we all, her, her friends and I, we put stones all around the perimeter of her body. Mm. And it was this moment of saying like, you have authority over this body and you have names that have said to you that you don't have authority, that there is, there is, uh, your no, um, does not mean anything, but now we're, we are showing you and you're feeling it that like, here is, here is your territory. This mm. is your territory that you get to govern over. You get to rule over. You get to find like when you want to give and receive and when, when you need to say no. Um, so I think there's just like, there's so many different ways of being able to signify to yourself and others. Like, yeah, just like what's happening for you right in this moment. Um, it's definitely think, taken my, yeah. my, um, the work that I do to the next level of learning from you. Um, I remember when we went, we did, you know, a a weekend away, me and you and a couple of girls. And, you know, I just did this actually with my, with my level two Academy people. I stole one of your stuff. Um, (laughs) I I brought, I brought, 
one of the tea buds, you know, the, the tea mm. things that you brought mm-hmm. and, you know, here it is. And I just was like, this is how you came in. You know, it's like bound. Yeah. It doesn't even look really flattering, yeah. but it, it's like, you would forget about it. It looks like, you know, right. a piece of poop on the ground. Like it's really not a pretty thing. Right. <laughs> and, and the idea of putting this, this little tea bud that looks like nothing into hot water seems like it would like disintegrate it. And I just was able to bring these men and women, by the way, this is not just a woman's mm-hmm. thing, but mm-hmm. men and women, um, in their groups to go, this is how you came and the hot water of this work that we're doing where you feel like it's just going to burn you up. Like this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look at my stuff. Stuff. But in a few moments, this tea bud begins to blossom and it becomes a flower. Yeah. And I've never seen anything. I, I never even knew those existed until I sat with you. But it was, there was something about that declaration in that moment and the mm-hmm. solidifying of visually seeing mm-hmm. what we all just went through over the course yeah. of three days that I, that is me. I did come in like this mm-hmm. and I do feel like something has blossomed in me. And I don't know if I could have put like exact words to that, but, but this shows it. And I feel yeah. like that's what you do is you, you make, you bring what's in the head so that I can see it, remember it, feel it, mm-hmm. know it, have a memory of it in a way that's different mm-hmm. than the jumbled up memories. But I actually have right. a memory of the knots right. and the stones. Right, right. No, I think this is this is a really important point. And it goes back to just the the forgetfulness leads to exile. Yeah. Like memory, 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 memory is so, so significant. And I think there's a way in which when we don't remember, we we lose our sense of self, we lose our, our sense of where we're going. And so that is something like when we do these more visual, sensual, you know, engaging all the senses, um, and creating symbols, it does become something that it's a signpost that we can come back to, to say, mm-hmm. I know I did that work. I know the healing that has come. And I can, I can t- show you in the way that I felt when I saw that moment or when I tasted that orange or when mm-hmm. I felt the stones like hit the edges of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, like we just, we need those really poignant signposts to, yeah. to along the way so that we can come back to it. Because I think, I think, I mean, evil, I think it, it's, it, it would behoove evil for, um, for us to forget where we've mm-hmm. been and what yes. we've known, yes. uh, both the trauma and the joy, both like the goodness and, and our suffering. Um, and so it, I think so much of ritual is, you know, fundamentally about, about remembering, mm-hmm. about having, having memory of where we've been, where we are and where we're going. Yeah. Um, and scripture is really clear about that. Remembering is linked to faith that in mm-hmm. order for your faith to grow, and, you know, like increase my faith, Lord. Then he says, then you need to remember what I've done because you can't have faith if you don't remember, like mm-hmm. you can't trust if you don't remember. You know, I think of right. Joshua as he's crossing the river, you know, he gets all the tribes to bring a stone, all 12 tribes to bring a stone mm-hmm. and put it in the river. And it says, we're going to make an altar of remembrance here mm-hmm. so that from generations to come, when we forget, we're going to look at this, yeah. you know, and the scripture says, and it is still there to this day, you know, and I'm like, is it? I want to go see it. But, uh, <laughs> you know, these giant stones of 12 tribes that crossed to something to remember mm. that when we were helpless, God delivered us. And yeah. that is ritual. That is a ritualistic mm-hmm. moment to say, exactly. I'm going to forget. And my forgetting, mm-hmm. like you said, leads to my exile. And we know mm-hmm. that the Israelites 
forgot often. And what happened yeah. to them? They were in bondage. Yeah. They were met with idol idolatry. They were met mm -hmm. with paganism because they forgot. But when they remembered, it always brought them back to God's compassionate care of them. And mm -hmm. I just think like what you're offering to people is so unique. And I don't really know places, to be honest and, and straight up honest with you, outside of real pagan rituals. Like I don't see this happening in the church. I do see it happening, but I don't see them naming it the way that they're naming mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. I think when we don't name it what it is, it 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 becomes um just like rote. Like I think the Eucharist yeah. becomes rote. Like right. it's just something exactly. that we do. It's not something we just did the after the level two, uh, the last day, the last two hours. Um, we did the Eucharist and it, man, does the, does communion hit a lot different after you've done three days of story work, right? Like it really does. Yeah. You're taking it in <laughs> a lot better. You're putting that ash and that oil on with a different understanding and a humility around where you've been met. Yeah. It's powerful. Yeah. It is powerful. And I think that's, that's, um, I, I like that you mentioned just like the Eucharist when it becomes rote versus when it becomes like infused with new meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's something that we have to be aware of is like where, you know, the rituals that have just become dead um, because they're not being recontextualized to where we are or what we need. You know, I can't tell you, I did one performance piece where it was like, I calculated how many times I had taken Eucharist since I said the salvation prayer as a four-year-old. And so often the, the Eucharist was like the two in one Jesus, right. you know, oh, yeah. the, the little terrible wafer and the horrible sugary grape juice. Um, so I ordered like hundreds of these little ones. And, and I did this in front of my theology class where it's like, I took this over and over again. Um, and it was like, I'm like, this is what's become like, it's like yeah. this very, very cheap, um, very insignificant experience of, of the Eucharist. And yet when I had moved to Seattle, um, I became part of this church plant where we would have the actual bread and the wine and we would serve each other, um, the bread and the wine. And it was like this really intimate, beautiful experience of God coming towards us mm. where we look at each other in the eyes and we'd pass each other the bread. And, um, and that was like, I, I think we just, we need, um, new infusions of mm. meaning with the rituals that, that are part of the church that we're all participating in. And so that's the question, even for your listeners of like, what do you, what, what new meaning do you need to infuse and how, how do you need to take the Eucharist next time? Yeah. Like maybe you need a, a companion um, to serve you um, or maybe you need to do it outside of church, you know, yeah. after, after like a therapy session or after something that was hard, like you need to go and have the bread and have the, the grape juice or the wine. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just opening our imaginations where it's like, it's not about a rigid formal thing. Right. It's it's more of like what what is your what is your heart what is your soul calling you um, to do that you know that at times is a risk because you're like outside on a patio you know taking a big loaf of bread and breaking it and eating it and then having this one I mean I don't know like right. it's, I guess it's not that weird but um but there is something of of like taking that risk and 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 moving past certain formalities. Like I think right. about one last thing I'll say about with Jesus, like when he was um, healing the blind man, he employed a pagan ritual when he spit into the dirt mm -hmm. and mixed it with his, with the saliva. Like that was an old pagan ritual that he was using, but he was putting new meaning in it. Right. He was mm. putting this new meaning in, and then wiped um, the blind man's eyes. And then he tells him to go to the pool of Siloam. And that was, he told him to go at a time that was 
um, inappropriate or like not the, the, the deemed time to go into the pools. Right. So Jesus is saying like transgress here. Like wow. this is more about your freedom. This is more about like you discovering um, sight again than about rules and regulations. And I'm going to use a pagan ritual and I'm going to infuse it with a new meaning so that you can see that like, like this is, this is all of this is for our freedom. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't have it. We don't have to be afraid of, you know, what's pagan or what, you know, we, we can actually re yeah, I don't know, recontextualize it. Um, Cause I think just ultimately like we are meant to, we're meant for liberation. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are those ways that we can offer that to ourselves in these ritualistic ways? Yeah. So, and is yeah. there ways like, um, yeah, I love that you said all of that because it, it it is true. Like even, you know, the Eucharist for Jesus, it wasn't the Eucharist. Like he was just yeah. with his buddies and he's about to die. And he's like, look, I won. This is what I want to leave with you. And it was around the table. And, you know, here's all the, the disciples wondering who's the best and who's the favorite. And here's Jesus like <laughs> knowing he's about to die. And he's like, okay, I got to give them something that they can remember mm. this moment. Yeah. Because yeah. this moment is so profound and it's going to change the trajectory of their life. Like their lives are going yeah. to, they're going to die with me but they need to have something that solidifies this moment and, you know, even him washing the feet. And so, yeah, I love that you're, you're, what you're saying is, gosh, let it be less religious and let (laughs) it, and let it, let it be what it needs to be for you to mark the moment. What are some Mm -hmm. ways that, you know, maybe even just some simplistic ways, I I have some thoughts Mm -hmm. too, but um, just some, some simplistic ways of, of marking a moment or, or just knowing that, like, how do we even know it's a moment? <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. No, it's, it's interesting. Like I had, um, a couple of years ago, I was, we went to, we were somewhere in Oregon, um, just like a family trip, random weekend away. And, um, Jay had to work on something. So I took the kids to the swimming pool and it had been like kind of a harder season of parenting where I just, you know, I've, I was watching myself become really sharp and really impatient and at times mean. And, and, and then there was a this moment where I just surrendered to play with them mm. in the pool. And we were like, you know, creating our own Olympics and like racing one another. And it was just so beautiful and sweet. And I knew in my body, I'm like, I need to remember this. Mm. Like I need, I need this image to be something that I reference when things are really tough. And when I feel like I want to, you know, do no unkind things to my children. Right. Um, or like when I'm feeling unkind towards myself, cause I didn't parent good enough. Um, and so it was so simple. It was like, I'm going to go to the drinking fountain and I'm just going to take a few drinks and I'm going to say, this is good. Mm. And I'm going to take another drink and say, this is good. Mm. You know, it was so like, so mundane, but there was something about just like deviating from normal behavior Mm -hmm. and, and being able to take a moment that's set apart and simply like, you know, again, engaging my body through the, the cold water and like finding some words I needed to like it kind of embed in my memory mm. about that moment and that it's, it, it has become a place I've referenced so many different times. Wow. Um, so I'm, again, it's super, that's super, super simplistic, but I think mm-hmm. it's like that thing of repetition, I think is helpful deviating from like the normal path. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, it awakens us in a different way mm-hmm. when we kind of deviate and we do something that's maybe out of the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like, you know, even like a simple of like, I'm, I'm instead of riding the bus or instead of I'm going to walk. And Mm -hmm. as I walk, I'm going to say the things that I need to speak out loud. Um, Or it's um, trying to think of another example. I mean, one thing that I've seen you do a lot and, 
And I do, we, we just did this the other night with some of our friends and I just kind of switched things up. <laughs> like, you know, people are always coming over and like, what's Carrie doing next? Cause I'm like, let's try this. <laughs> but you had done something with us it, where there, we bought some ash off Amazon and I got, and I have anointing oil and we just went around. There was only five of us or six of us. And we went around and I just said, you know, we were talking about some stuff. We were talking about life. We are a closer, you know, group of friends. And I just said, Hey, I brought this ash and this oil. I would love to just know what, what needs to die right now in your life? Mm -hmm. And, and where do you need to, where do you need to put that ash? And then what needs to be blessed for you to bless yourself? And I'm not kidding. I mean, it was that simple, right? And it was just yeah, like, so they right. went around and they, you know, took the ash and, you know, one woman was like, I need to, I need to let what I feel about my, my stomach and my, the way mm. I see my body, I need to let that die. And she, so she lifted up her shirt ever so slightly mm. and put ash on her belly and then just anointed her mind that she's like, I actually am always thinking that I'm not smart enough. And, and I am mm. good. And, you know, and we, there was men in this group too. And, and both the men, you know, he, one of the guys ended up, um, anointing his scowl marks. And he mm -hmm. said, I'm anointing this because I actually believe that I, I have fun and play within me. And mm -hmm. these scowl marks are the resistance of that, of my, and I mean, we like, oh it gosh. was so <laughs> <I didn't weep. laughs> beautiful. And it was that simple of just going, and, and there was not anything to really mark, but it was like, we've been trudging through life together, the six of us. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like we need to do something together that, that marks what we've done. And I am telling you at the end of that, and that's all credit to you. Um, mm -hmm. at the end of that, they, they were like, I want to do this with my kid. Like something mm -hmm. happened rather than yeah. just saying out loud, like, you know, yeah, I need to let this die. I need that, that act of the ash and the oil, it took it to the next level. It, it just took yeah. it to a place yeah. of like solidifying it. And that ash, the, the, you know, ash is actually pretty soft. So this ash on your fingers and it was kind of everywhere, you know, it kind of is messy. <laughs> it was like yeah. everywhere. And they, they, you know, some people had it on their face and on their bodies and stuff, but, and then that oil and then the act of just blessing, like mm -hmm. I learned that from you and has, you know, even when we had to move from our house, from California to go to Chicago, which is the largest move we've ever done. I knew in that moment because of you I need to, I think I need to mark this for my kids mm -hmm. because we're mm -hmm. leaving everything they know and we're going to a place where we know no one. And I, it was the last minute and I didn't even know what to do. And I have Sage because now I'm all about Sage <laughs> because of you. I hated it. Do you remember at first I was like, get that Sage away from me. Like, <laughs> yes, you were so forthright about it. Yes. Yes. I was like, get that away from me. I don't like it. And now I'm like, you know, whenever I'm doing something really meaningful, I always light sage and not to like yeah. smudge my world or whatever. So don't freak <laughs> out. But it's like, because that's that somatic response to that yeah. always yeah. reminds me that I'm doing some deep right. work. So I just yeah, got my exactly. sage and lit it. And every kid went around and said, what are you sad to leave? They held the sage. What are you sad that you're leaving? Mm. And what are you anticipating as you go? And they each held the sage and our house was completely, this will make me cry, but our house was completely mm. empty. There was nothing in it, but just our bodies and the five of us. And we just mm. sat around and went from thing to thing. And 
My husband cried. My older son, who's not emotional, was in it. You know, he was mm-hmm. like present. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that moment marked us. Yeah. And I think that's what yeah. you're saying. Like, it doesn't have yeah. to be this, but will you no. pause and know this is a moment? And how am mm-hmm. I going to mark that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, so I don't, you, I don't even know. It's just like, there's something of like, I wish I could like grasp like what is happening, but I think, I think I, I don't need to. It's just, it, there's, there's a mystery in like why our, our whole being responds mm-hmm. And that like, why putting ash on his, you know, his furrowed brow? Like there's, there's something, there's just something that happens that is just so, it's so beautiful and it's, it's mysterious, but it's, mm-hmm. it's holy. I it think is. the bottom line is just holy, holy ground. It's holy and um, sacred. And I think Jesus yeah. knew, I think Jesus mm-hmm. knew beyond because he knows the intricacies of our body. Like mm-hmm. he knew by so much of what he did was, was ritual and beautiful. And it, you know, it, it balked at so many of the religion, Mm -hmm. you know, to heal the the withered hand inside the church on a day when you're not supposed to do that, you know, like you're not supposed to heal on that day was a moment (laughs) of him breaking down the monotony of religion and awakening to what's possible in him. And it's like, I don't know either, Heather, I don't know why sitting with you and the rituals that I have done with you like, well, one has seared me to you, but has also been like, has awakened something in my life in a way that has, I've never mm-hmm. been able to get there. Like, mm-hmm. no matter how much I know, and I am a knowing person, <laughs> like I want to know all the things. And, and it's like in that there's, I can't know, you know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No. And I think that, yeah, I think everything that Jesus said, like it, Jesus could just have been like, abracadabra, heal, you'd be healed. Right. But he didn't. Like it was always contextual. It was always, there was always like a process, like, this, mm-hmm. you know, the, the smearing of the mud, using a pagan ritual to like put, like he didn't need to do that. So there is something of like, God knows like what our our bodies, our souls need in order to not just, yeah, remember, but then also to experience something that is of liberation. Mm -hmm. Um, So good. It's so good. Yeah. So as we're wrapping up, here's the thing. I know people are going to be listening and it's like, okay, can you help me (laughs) create (laughs) some of these, you know, for the larger moments, like the woman who's going into birth. And and I know I, you know, I've reached out to you on when there's been some really traumatic things that have happened in someone's Mm -hmm. body. And when we actually had Blaine Hogan on, which our listeners have, you know, heard him and you did something for his wife or something. He had shared that on there because we had talked a little bit about you. And so what if they're like, I want to do some of these things or I want to mark some of these moments. Do you offer that as like, do you give, mm-hmm. what, what do you do if they're like, I need this, Heather, help me. What, <laughs> what can they do and how could they get in touch with you? And yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have, I mean, I have a few different offerings I've been trying to figure out like, cause it's, it's kind of forging my own way here. Yeah. Um, so I have ritual sessions where they're like 80 minutes where we get to sit and I get to hear like, what are you needing to mark? And then we get to collaborate on what that could actually look like. So it's like the most basic way of engaging um, what a ritual could look like for someone. And then there's, there's the next tier where um, they, I can curate the ritual. Like we, we meet a couple of times. I hear more about their story uh, and then we kind of collaborate or I just curate it depending on what they want or need. And then I just send off the ritual to them and they implement it with themselves and their community. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, there is the other option of me coming in and then not only curating it, but also facilitating it, which is what I did for, for Blaine's wife is mm-hmm. I curated and then I flew down to Nashville and, and put together the ritual for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's different possibilities of, of beginning to get connected to what that might look like for your own life, mm. um, depending on what you, what you want. So and you just, rit- you got a new website, right? Oh gosh. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It, that, I don't know what that, 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 I feel like cursed with the whole website stuff. I just cannot, can, I don't know what it is. I have a high standard. Um, I also like completing things, like trying to like be concise about what I do. And it, it's just, it is a struggle fest. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's a, it, it's good. It's good. And now I have something. And, um, so yeah, you can find me on lifeinritual.com. Mm-hmm. And they also um, can find you on life in ritual on social media too. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, you, yeah, every, and do, what do you do that every Friday or every, once a month or when is that? Yeah. It's first Fridays mm-hmm. of each month. I will do They're more contemplative rituals. So mm-hmm. they're, they're a little different. They're, it's, it's kind of weird to do it live and not see faces and whatnot. So it, it's an ambivalent process for me, but I'm like trying to be faithful to just offering what I can. Um, but yeah, well, on the recipient in, I'm telling you right now, like <laughs> there has been moments where I've been in my car and I know that this is coming and I'll just, I find a nice place and, you know, like looking over the river and I'll walk through that. And I've just been in my car, just tears streaming because I needed. So I know it's hard to do something because you don't see the, the other faces, but it is been such a gift for me to have even a little bit of that moment. So for Mm -hmm. you guys that want to check that out, do you still do the boxes or no? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So the hope is that, um, so part of what I was like, some people, you know, they don't have the ability to to maybe hire me. Um, and so I, I wanted to create you know, a way of accessing rituals in the comfort of your own home. So my hope is to have a bunch of different topics right now. All I have, um, I'm working on a mother uh, ritual box that should be out hopefully in the new year. Um, but the topic that I have right now is on reclaiming beauty. Mm. So just this reality of our faces are the entrance into our soul and our soul gets expressed through, through our faces. And yet we live in a, a society that wants to freeze, change, manipulate our faces to not show like, the life that we've lived. And so it's a way of both like tending to your past. And, you know, we all have stories around our face that are not well. Um, I remember like being made fun of for my nose or, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like how that gets so marked. Um, Mm. And so it deals with the past. It deals with the present of like, what are you doing to honor these lines? Like these are tree rings that tell of all the life that we've lived, the laughter, the sorrow, the despair, Um, and then, yeah, kind of like going forward, like, how do you, how do you continue to bless your face? Mm. So Mm. that is that one again, the mothering I want, I've been working on this, this mothering one, um, and should be out soon, but I hope to have like ones on grief, you know, just kind of, I want to talk, I want to tackle a lot of different topics for people. Yeah. I Um, I think it's so needed and it would be, I I mean, I would just shout from the rooftops, the work that you do, because I do think it's some of the most holy and sacred work. Um, you know, conjunction with the story work, it really was, it solidifies, it solidifies Mm -hmm. so much and it marks so much of the work that I have done with the Lord in a way that's a tangible expression that I can remember. You know, I'll never look at orange the same, you know, it's like, every time I look at orange, I'm like, Heather, (laughs) I want my group back. You know, it was just so, so good. As we close, Heather, I just, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, what you would, 
think to say or, or whatever, but there's just so many people out there who are just hurting and the world feels chaotic mm-hmm. and crazy and we just feel all over the place. And, you know, as people are kind of contemplating this whole like ritual idea and how to mark a moment, what would be a word of invitation or encouragement to them that's just to just allow them to, st- to take one step into curiosity around this? Like, how would you maybe encourage some of the people that are just listening like, mm-hmm. This world's mm-hmm. crazy and I don't know how to market and I don't know, like, what, what would you, what would you offer to them? I think maybe it's the question of like, do you know, do you know how much the Lord is for your body? Mm-hmm. Do you know how much the Lord is for every aspect of your story? The, the difficult, the confusing parts, the parts where you feel a lot of judgment towards yourself, like the Lord is for um, is for us. And so if the Lord is for us, um, and if we, with all the stories that we know about Jesus, when he was on this earth, that he is creative and very embodied, um, and very attuned to the context from which he was engaging his, the people, um, then would it be so much, would it be far-fetched to think that like he is asking you to be aware of your own context, aware of what you might need, Mm. that you might need to smear dirt on your heart because you've known a lot of heartache, or Mm. you might need to splash water um, over your face because a new day is coming. Um, So I think that that's my invitation Mm. of like, do you know that the Lord is for, is for you? It's for your body. So good. Mm -hmm. You are just one of my faves. Thank you so much for being (laughs) on here. And thank you for being my friend and loving me Mm -hmm. through the pits of hell and also meeting me on the tops of the mountains Mm because you've seen both in my life. And Mm -hmm. you're one of the most pivotal people when I look through my story and you look at the stories of goodness and you see all these stories of harm. But then as you begin to heal, you see these moments where God shows up and he just gives you these people in these moments. And you are as far as my timeline goes, you are such a highlight in my life Mm -hmm. and such a moment where I can look back and go, and the goodness of God met me in the land of the living through Heather Stringer. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for what you bring. Thank you for paving the path, even when so many weirdo Christian people are like, ah, you know, (laughs) and you still pursue because I think you actually really care. You really care Mm -hmm. about people healing and experiencing Jesus in and really in the ways that I think we will more in heaven than we have yeah. even on earth. And so thank you for bringing pieces of heaven to earth and helping us hold both the heart and the holy in such a beautiful way. You are a stunning human mm-hmm. and I can't wait for people to know you more. Thank you, Carrie. It's such a gift to be with you as always. Uh, yeah. Thanks. All right, friends. You. Well, check out Heather, Life in Ritual, social mm-hmm. media, go check out our website and how will you mark something today? How will you mark something in your life and how will you honor and even be curious about how God thinks of you, which is so good. Um, yeah. Love you all so much. We'll see you guys next week. We are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. 
And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always. <laughs>